0: Praying with Mary. So th- this week we're going to do two things in this uh, installment of the series. We're going to conclude what has been a year-long series of praying with dot, dot, dot. And today it's Mary. And uh, in that 12-part series we have explored uh, various written down, recorded prayers within Scripture that have been prayed by individuals that have been put there for our blessing and edification. And uh, today it's Mary. So that's that one thing we do bringing that to a close. And the second thing we're doing is we're launching into our Advent season. I mean, we can just Advent is awesome, isn't it? That kind of lead up to Christmas, we know where things are heading. Um, so that's what we're doing. But Advent is all about waiting. That's what it means, waiting. Waiting for the arrival. And uh, I wonder how good you are at waiting for something. because I reckon that as a society in general, we're pretty rubbish at it. And to be honest, I think the odds are actually stacked against us, really, in developing that character trait of patience for waiting. Because everything is instant. Instant custard. <laughs> I mean, fast food, that's been around for a few decades, but it's just everywhere now. Instant whip? Yes. Oh no. No. Next day delivery? Yes. Yeah. Even even like if you order this by coffee time, you'll get it mid-afternoon. I mean what is that all about? <laughs> On On Demand Telling. Oh yes. Oh my word! There used to be a time where you tune in, same time every week to save the next instalment and the excitement would build and now, first episode and then the whole thing's there. Yes! And and bingeable series seems to be a thing. I don't really get it. Anyway, instant everything. Instant everything. No waiting. And in fact, one member of my family, who shall remain nameless, has a count down. And they can tell you to the second when Christmas is going to arrive. Now I'll just leave you to imagine my reaction to that bit of information when it was shared to me in our summer holidays. So Christmas, Advent, is a season of waiting. Waiting. But the waiting that we're doing as we wait for Christmas to arrive is actually not that difficult at all. It doesn't require any faith at all. It's a given fact. Well, unless Jesus (laughs) arrives for a second time in the next three and a half weeks. um, It's a given fact that Christmas will arrive. And that come the 25th of December, it will be Christmas. Stockings will be filled. Presents wrapped. Turkeys roasted, <coughs> Christmas cake, oh yeah, marzipan and ice, wine mould, and the manger will be full. Full of Jesus. We're waiting, but we know exactly what's going to happen and when. And that kind of waiting is very different, I think, from what was experienced by today's prayer hero, Mary. Her waiting was very different from that. And so we're going to look at her story, and I hope that by the end of this morning, we, each of us, will be able to join the generations who rise up and call Mary blessed. Because that's what she prophesied. Mary's waiting. Mary, you see, was a Jewish girl. And as part of God's chosen people, their waiting as a nation was her waiting as well. She was part of that. And the Jews were waiting for lots of things lots of really big things they were waiting for God to speak for 400 years by the time mary had uh, by the time mary was alive god had been silent silent since the time of malachi you know that malachi that tiny book wraps up the end of our old testament that also marks the time when god fell silent in speaking to his people they were waiting for him to speak again They were also waiting for the end of oppression. The Romans were the occupying force when Mary was born. They made the rules, they called the shots, they determined how the Jews lived. They were an oppressed people and they were waiting for that time to end. They were also waiting for unfulfilled promises to be fulfilled. There had been promises that they were sat on and waiting for, so promises given to Abraham who, was told by God that he would have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, that his descendants would inherit the land, and that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through him and his descendants. They were waiting for that to happen. There were promises to David that David would have sons who would reign on the throne forever, and that they would inherit a kingdom that was without end. They were waiting for that to be fulfilled as well. But also they were waiting for a saviour. They were waiting for the one who would come and crush the enemy. The one who would usher in a kingdom of justice and peace. The one who would restore the temple and re-establish God at the centre of everything. Can you see how that sort of waiting that Mary and her people were experiencing... Is very different from our waiting for Christmas. There's no indication on the timing of when things will be fulfilled. There's no opening a limited number of days on an advent calendar and eating the chocolates one by one until, lo and behold, it's Christmas morning. It's a waiting that required faith. It's a waiting which required a focus on God. And it's into this context that Gabriel appears to Mary. So we're going to read that now. So if you've got your Bibles, Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 39 to 56. (coughs) At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you, women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. And Mary said, just as he promised our ancestors. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. And so Kate's going to come now and unpack a bit more of that.
1: Good morning, Jubilee. I've been really looking forward to um, speaking to you this morning. After the prophetic word I gave to the church in January, Simon asked if I would preach when the prayer series got to Mary. What I love about this is because it's part of the Christmas story, it's come at the end of the year. So I feel the prophetic word and now this preach bookend each other nicely. Over a year ago, I felt God keep drawing me back to Mary, the mother of Jesus. What struck me was her obedience. She was willing to do something She could not comprehend or even understand. She had no frame of reference for her calling. No one else had ever been asked to do what she was about to do. And she so quickly, willingly accepted what God was asking of her. What I find incredible is as far as we are aware, Mary is the only human to have been at Jesus' birth and his death. Isn't that amazing? And it said back in January that both John the Baptist and Jesus were miracle babies. And I just wonder if you will reflect with me for a moment. Have you found life in unexpected places this year? Have you experienced breakthrough in an area of your life which took you by surprise? At the beginning of the year, I felt God ask us, will you partner in the impossible with me? I felt as the angel had said to Mary, that God was saying to us, do not be afraid. Have faith that I deliver what I order. Mary could not even begin to comprehend what God was doing in her, but she was willing. She looked at what God had said to her with eyes of faith. The book of Luke tells the story of Jesus and the first part of Luke is what we would know of as the Christmas story. The angel Gabriel visits Mary in Nazareth, who is a virgin, pledged to marry a man named Joseph. Gabriel tells her she will conceive a son called Jesus, who will be the Son of God. Mary then goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth, who is also pregnant with a child, who will become John the Baptist. We're not actually told that Elizabeth is aware Um, Mary is also pregnant and destined to be the mother of the Messiah. So when she says in verse 42... Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? We can therefore assume that as soon as they greet one another, Elizabeth has a revelation of what's happened to Mary, which must have been in great encouragement to her. So just on a side note here, if God calls you to something, go and see a prophet for some encouragement. (laughs) The words of Mary's prayer in Luke 1 are very famous. Many people throughout history have put music to her words. The first thing that struck me when I read it was it sounds like something we would hear as a contribution on a Sunday morning during worship or maybe even a prayer meeting. And it begins with praise. It starts with how God has treated her and then she extends her praise to how God has treated the righteous throughout history and how he will redeem them in the future. This is a song full of joy as she expresses how God cares for us and acts on our behalf. She speaks about his character and acknowledges his goodness. She approaches him recognising her humble status as his servant and acknowledging him as sovereign master. Her humility forms the basis of her gratitude. One thing Mary knows is that God keeps his word. Mary knew God Himself was coming to earth. Not only that, He was going to grow inside her, and she had been chosen to give birth to Him. So, my first point is that her response to encountering God was praise. Her response to this crazy situation she finds herself in is praise. She doesn't start her prayer inwardly Oh, God, what about this? What about that? Can you just imagine for a moment the reality of the situation she finds herself in? She was a woman, and most likely a teenager. I explained this to the youth last week, and many of them were a little bit shocked, weren't you guys? (laughs) But I think it's important to emphasize that God uses teenagers, okay? Um, In first century culture, women were often relegated to a secondary status, to live eat and survive, she would have relied on her father and then her husband when she was married and she would not have had the resources to do this herself. The calling on her life was going to cost her everything. Her body, her reputation, her safety. She risks her future marriage. It is hard to imagine that many people in her community even believed her story. Many probably saw her as an immoral woman who thought she should be stoned and killed for the situation she found herself in, then ultimately her calling meant she had to watch her son die on a cross. This was a costly call, but she is willing to lay down her life for God. The angel did not give her any assurances when he came. She's only told a little bit of information, but yet her heart and mouth respond in praise.
0: Thanks, Kate okay so praise I mean these verses are incredible really the verses 46 to 55 we we know them as the Magnificat which is Latin I believe for uh, magnifies and that's what um, that's exactly what Mary does in her prayer I'm going to refer to it as a prayer song because I imagine there's like little verses of song inside the prayer but anyway that's what I think but as she goes through it as the, she pours out this praise that Kate's described she stacks up these, pra- these phrases about God's character it's just one after another after another kind of piles them up in this huge pile of, of magnifying God and so I wonder what you notice as you read through it it's a very familiar passage to us and we hear it every Christmas If you want some homework, and who doesn't want homework, um, go away and meditate on this. It is amazing. So God is described as saviour, as mighty, as holy, as merciful, as faithful, as powerful, restorative, as satisfying, as a provider, as a helper, as faithful to his promises, as eternal. It's absolutely jam-packed. And so I'd really encourage you to delve into that. And um, I think it's worth noting that this is something that Mary expressed in praise and worship as her response. And Kate said, you know, it's the sort of thing that could be a contribution on a Sunday morning. There's a reason that we spend so much of our time together singing and praising and declaring truths about God, because it does us good to hear what God is like. And that means each of us can take this example of Mary and that could be us expressing praise and truth about God. Can you imagine in the early church, post-Pentecost, when there's a prayer meeting and Mary comes to the front to get to the mic? (laughs) What is she going to say? My soul magnifies the Lord. I mean, can you imagine that? And that's the same for each of us. We've all got stuff that God has done in our lives that is worth talking and shouting about. And that's one thing that we can do when we come together. So Kate's going to explore a few more themes in a bit more detail in, the, in Mary's song.
1: So we can see from her prayer that she is secure in God's love. Her prayer starts from a place of thankfulness and praise. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my saviour. Do we start praying like this? Or do we start off by listing our anxious thoughts? Mary shows us how she starts from a secure place as a daughter of the living God with a thankful heart for all he has done. And she lingers here on the goodness of God. When you pray, are you in awe of the wonder of the Lord? And we've just seen from the responses around the room that there are so many phrases about God's character in this prayer. And when preparing for this, I really felt drawn to verse 49. And I think there's so many things that we could have explored, but I just really want to hone in on Mighty One. She calls him Mighty One. During Sunday lunch at my mum and dad's, we've often been known to share a few riddles around the dinner table. Um, And I've stolen one this morning from Andrew Wilson's book, Incomparable, which I'm going to share. And if you haven't read this book, see if you can guess what I'm saying. So, have a little think. It's very large, and it has shaped the history of the world. Most people on earth would have heard of it. It stirs many different emotions. Generations of armies have tried to work out how to overcome it. It has never been stolen, damaged, or defaced, yet no one guards it at night. It is, the ma- it is made of the world's most common molecule and the world's most powerful preservative. It is inspired in numerous paintings, poems, and music, and it is used in Psalm 93 as a comparison to show how mighty God is. Any guesses? guesses? Water, Water. The sea! Yes, it's the sea. (laughs) So the sea can be both the most relaxing and peaceful place to be, but it also can be wild and frightening. This may be why the psalmist uses the sea as a comparison to God. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea. Yahweh on high is mighty, and that's Psalm 93, verses 3 to 4. The sea cannot be controlled by man, yet God is in control of all things. He actually created the seas, and they operate within his limits. Just as the sea points us towards God's breathtaking power and glory, it is both powerful and peaceful at the same time, and reminds us of our mighty God. We actually um, got to go and see the Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe yesterday at the rep, which is amazing. And again, I was just reminded of that, again, when we saw the lion and Susan's response to the lion and how, and also Helen picked up on this as well um, a couple of weeks ago, prophetically, um, when we think of that image of the lion, that he is mighty and that roar. So just like Mary, as we respond to God in praise through prayer, we keep in mind that we are praying to God the Almighty. My next point is faith. We've heard how this is a prayer of praise, but it's also a prayer full of faith. Mary believed in something she could not yet see. She knew that what she was carrying, she was literally carrying the salvation of the world and prophesied this over herself. In verse 47, Mary calls God her saviour. The danger, I think, of the Christmas story is that we know it so well that we don't pay attention to the magnitude and miracle of this story. When you truly stop and think about it, it's quite hard to get your head around. We've got a teenage girl, a virgin birth and the saviour of the universe. This story is one of impossibility. Just in Hebrews 11, the writer invites us to believe for what we can't yet see. The Hebrews were faced with increasing opposition and were being tempted to throw away their hope in Christ for a more comfortable life. Their eyes were not fixed on future glory, but on their present deprivation. In Hebrews 11.1, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not yet see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Hebrews 11 lists the heroes of the faith who were so convinced of what God said he would do that they proved it by what they did. For example, Noah had faith in a righteous world and realised faith meant building an ark to save his household before there was even rain, let alone a flood. Abraham, he had faith in the coming kingdom of God and knew that that meant setting out on a journey to the land God had promised him, even though he did not know where he was going. And in Mary's prayer, we see that she believed for what she could not yet see. She wholeheartedly received and believed the word given to her by the angel. And in this last year, as we've given this year to prayer, I believe God has been teaching us to corporately warfare in prayer over many different things. And as we've been doing this, it's like in the spirit I've seen this faith muscle start to grow. And look how far we've come. We prayed in faith for a more permanent venue, and here we are. This is just one example. There are lots of examples in the church and personal testimonies of what God has done in our lives this year. A couple of weeks ago, at the end of Tom's talk, Jodie gave a powerful testimony of God's provision through jobs. And when we hear testimonies, it builds our faith. What's been your faith journey this year? Maybe over coffee, you could share this with someone and it will build their faith. I heard Chris Ballerton once say, the world says, if I see it, I'll believe it. But faith says, if you believe it, you'll see it or I believe and therefore I see so the world says if I see it I'll believe it but faith says if you believe it you'll see it and we were called by faith and now we live by faith if you're a Christian you have faith so my final point is is that as she as Mary prays we can see that she is secure in her identity Despite her humble position, she says she will be honoured by all generations. Generations will see her as an example of a simple human touched by divine power. She is so honoured to have been chosen. I heard Heidi Baker say that when God gives you a promise, he's asking you to carry that promise to full term, to protect what he's put inside of you until it is birthed. Just as Simon mentioned at the beginning, how good are we at waiting for something? So often we want fast, we want comfort, we want it our way, but the Lord is not like that. In 1 Corinthians 6.20, it says all of you belongs to God. And he's calling you by name. There's favour on your life. The Lord is speaking your name over you and he's saying, I found favour with you. He's speaking promises and destiny inside of you. And he wants you to actually believe what he says about you. Just like Mary, what is God inviting us into today that seems scary and overwhelming, but, just, but you just have to say yes to? Is the Spirit stirring something in you this morning? There are promises and destiny that he's spoken over us as a church. And he's found favour with with us, Jubilee. Just like Mary, we have been chosen to carry Jesus. Mary was the first person on earth to know the human form of Jesus. And this prayer was her response. What was your first reaction (coughs) when you met Jesus for the first time? How did it feel? What did you think? So in response to this, I feel God wants to do a couple of things today. So I'm going to invite you all to stand. That's all right, if you feel able. And let's to respond to what we've heard this morning. So when Simon and I were putting this together, we felt like at the end we wanted to commission you. Um, so if you feel comfortable, why don't you put your hands out in front of you? And let's just respond together. Jubilee, you have been called to carry Jesus. And there's a cost to this calling. God wants to remind you of his favour over your life. He's found favour with you and he speaks destiny over you, Jubilee. And just like Mary, he wants you to actually believe what he says about you. So we commission you, Jubilee to carry Jesus to those around you. Shall we just agree in our hearts now to partner in the impossible with God? also felt in response that God wants to do a couple of other things as well. Um, Firstly, for some, he wants to remind you of your first encounter with Jesus. And I just wonder, as we've been talking this morning, that you were reminded of that first love encounter you had with him, when you realised Jesus was now living in your heart. And if this is you, just respond now in your heart to him. Just remind yourself. That first time you met him. But secondly, also, I also feel that there might be some people in here where God is also stirring the gift of faith. Um, or that you maybe you want to ask God for the gift of faith. To have faith like Mary. And in Ephesians 2 verse 8 it tells us that faith is a gift of God. And it's a gift for all of us. But I do just wonder if there might be some people in the room who have responded in your heart but you feel maybe faith but you feel that faith stirring, but you might feel a bit disheartened because disappointment has crept in. Because I know that there are many things going on in this room, really tough situations where maybe we've prayed and we've not seen breakthrough. But we don't and we don't live in denial of reality. But I just want to come, I just felt reminded yesterday of John the Baptist, again, coming back to him for a moment. And in Matthew 11, John is in prison. And the irony of this is that John was the one who was sent to prepare the way for Jesus. And Jesus was to deliver people from prison. But yet John is in prison and he's not being set free. But Jesus takes John's, John's attention from his present situation and t- turns his attention to God, to what he's doing. So the disciples come and tell John what Jesus has been doing. And they say, and Jesus says to them, Tell John, the blind have received their sight, the deaf hear, the lame walk, and the good news is being proclaimed. So rather than looking at his present situation, he was looking at what God was doing. So if we want to contend for the more, let's be hungry for more. So if you feel that gift of faith stirring, just respond in your heart.
0: Uh, but I would encourage you not to rush away from this moment, because what Kate's highlighted to us is what the Holy Spirit wants to pinpoint in our lives. I would really encourage you to respond. So I'm just going to close in, in, in prayer. Um, we'll, like I say, we'll be here for if you want to come and receive prayer for anything else. So Father, we, we look at the example of Mary and we are astounded at her faith. We're astounded at the levels of praise that she's able to reach in the midst of her difficult circumstances. And we're amazed at the, the depth of love that she has for you and that you have for her and the way in which she's so certain that you are her God. And Father, may all of those things be a reality in our lives. And so Lord, I pray for each and every single one of us as you've commissioned us to carry you wherever we go. That although we don't have you physically growing inside us like Mary did, we're still commissioned to carry your presence wherever we go. And so Father, would we be your people on a move to this week, your people on mission wherever you send us. And Father, we pray for a stirring of that first love, Mm. a stirring of of that intimacy with you. Would you speak to each one of us and bless people in this room now that we would know your presence as we go.